Welcome to Know Your Bible, a program presented by the Churches of Christ and devoted to helping you understand God's Word. The Bible is a book inspired by God and it contains answers to your questions. The Bible reveals Jesus and explains His sacrifice, contains God's plan for the family, and timeless principles of parenting. Also has the truth about life and death. The Bible contains great financial advice and also answers questions of morality. Join us as we look for answers to your questions and help you know your Bible. Good morning. Welcome to Know Your Bible. We're glad you've joined us again this week as we study some of your questions, try to find you some Bible answers. It's what we do on this program each week. If you're a first-time viewer, uh, if you just watch for a while, you'll figure out how we do things. You'll also hear us answer a number of questions uh, that our viewers have called in in past weeks, and we've researched them and tried to find a Bible answer to them. And uh, if you're interested in having an answer to your questions, you can do the same thing. It's phone number and a website at the bottom of the screen. Use those anytime to get in touch with us. Uh, let us know what you'd like us to talk about, and that's what we'll do on Know Your Bible. Let me introduce my partner, Toby Levering. Toby, welcome back. Good morning, Steve. Glad you're here and ready to go, and uh, we've got some good ones coming up. Our viewers keep us supplied with so many good questions we can't keep up, but we always give them one to see if they can start the day with a trivia question. Uh, today's question is, what bird, what kind of bird did Noah send out first? I think most people know the one he sent out last, but uh, some forget he sent out a, another one, different kind first. So we'll uh, answer that question at the end of the program, see if you and your family know that one. And Toby, you drew the first one today, so this goes clear back to Adam and Eve. Get started there. We'll go all the way back to the beginning. <laughs> if you would like to know, in Genesis it says two women were created for Adam. What happened to the first one? Uh, well, <clears throat> actually it doesn't say that in Genesis. Uh, it says there was only one woman created for Adam, and her name was Eve. Now, I think in my research there's a mythological uh, female created for Adam called Lilith, uh, but that is not mentioned, she is not mentioned in the Bible in any form or fashion whatsoever, so that's uh, uh, complete fiction, and it is uh, not a part of the biblical account for sure. Uh, let's look at some verses from Genesis chapter 2 together on the screen. The Lord said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. So the Lord caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and then closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a, a woman, I want to note that there, a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man and brought her to the man. And so uh, that's what the Bible says. There's only one woman for Adam. Her name was Eve. And as you will later read, she seemed to be even more than he could handle. So <laughs> uh, good question. Sometimes viewers get confused about the Bible and other uh, fictional accounts. So, Well, there, there is a uh, for cha first chapter and the second chapter that oh, you yeah. read from. Yeah. The first chapter is kind of an overview, yep, yep. and the, Moses says, here's how God created things. He yeah. made man and woman, and then in two, he gives them into more detail. Sure, Here's sure. the details of it, and if you're not reading real carefully, you think, hold it, I already saw oh, a creation two, yeah, there. Yeah. Yeah, so some people get it there, but yeah. mostly it comes from a false teaching that tries to promote uh, 
of really false doctrine. Yeah, 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 definitely. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. It, she, they could have been reading it just straight through and said, hey, we, we saw this twice. So if that's the case, definitely still the same answer. Yep, yep <laughs> correct. Only one woman. And then later it says she mother, Eve was the mother of all living. Right, So right. she was the only one. All right, second question uh, back to the ark. Viewer wants to know, explain the different pairs of animals that Noah took on the ark. Well, I think what this viewer is asking is, why did Noah take some kinds of animals a lot more than other kinds of animals? Uh, that's God's directions, is two of one kind and seven of another kind. Uh, if that's what the viewer is asking, it's pretty easy. Uh, there were clean and unclean animals, and the clean animals were ones that you could eat and that you could use for sacrifice. Both kinds were needed to repopulate the earth. But the unclean animals, you weren't going to eat any and you weren't going to sacrifice any, so you didn't need as many of them to take on the trip and repopulate the earth after the trip. Uh, but clean animals, especially after the trip, uh, you'd need some for sacrifice, and probably during the trip you might need some for food. Uh, you might need some for food for different animals. Who knows how things worked on the ark? We don't know about that. Uh, but anyhow, so that's why God said what He did. Now, uh, let me just show you the exact quote from Genesis 7, and then we'll try to explain the numbers. Uh, God said, You shall take with you seven each of every clean animal, a male and his female, two each of animals that are unclean, a male and his female, also seven each of birds of the air, male and female. Now, let's leave that on for just a second. And the problem is the Hebrew language and all the scholars can't agree on exactly does it mean seven total animals, clean animals, or seven pairs. I believe it means seven pairs, but the Hebrew language doesn't specifically make it mean that. So he could have taken seven clean animals of each kind or 14 clean animals of each kind. Uh, I think he took 14. I think it's referring to a male and a female being a pair. Uh, but if it would have been just seven, then he might have taken uh, one one bull and six cows or uh, something like that would have had to figure that out. So uh, if that's what the viewer is asking about exactly how many of each kind, uh, I can't answer it and most scholars disagree about it too because the language just doesn't make it very clear there. But uh, however many he took, it worked. He got the earth repopulated and uh, we're doing fine again. <laughs> well. Uh, let's see, was the next question mine? Yep, Looks like uh, they want to know about a parable here. In the parable of the sons, one said yes but didn't go. The other said no but went. Which one was right? Okay, well, this is if you're not a Bible student, uh, you will want to turn to Matthew chapter 21, verses 28 through 31 is where Jesus tells this parable. We're going to read it together. And in the context here, Jesus is debating with Jewish uh, priests, chief priests, and the elders. And uh, they're a bit critical of Jesus. And so he tells this parable and it reads, What do you think? There was a man who had two sons. He went to the first and said, Son, go and work today in the vineyard. I will not, he answered. But later he changed his mind and went. Then the father went to the other and said the same thing. He answered, I will, sir. But he did not go. Which of the two uh, did what his father wanted? And the first, they answered. Well, uh, as uh, we read through this uh, verses, these verses together, we kind of get the question answered. Uh, and it's, of course, assumed by Jesus as he 
uh, told this parable and the Jewish people of the time would have understood that obedience uh, was more shown by actions than by words. Uh, it's one thing to say, yes, I'll do that, or, or even you might hear say someone, well, I believe in God, or, or, or I believe the Bible, or something like that. But their actions prove otherwise, and that's the point that Jesus is making here. Uh, in, the, in the larger context, the reason that the chief priests and the elders were criticizing him is because he would eat with the tax collectors and the sinners and the people that were not uh, looked so highly upon. And he was being, uh, he was being uh, chastised by those who were looked upon highly with a bit of title and prestige. And they're saying, Jesus, what are you doing hanging out with them? And he tells a story to say, uh, basically, these are the people who will repent. These are the ones who I'm after because their father has told them to do something and they, at first they've, they're living lives that are just completely in rebellion. But now uh, I'm, I'm convinced, and many of them did, that they will turn back, change their ways, and, and that's much better than people, and I think he's here addressing them in an indirect way, uh, uh, religious people who claim that they're being obedient, claim to be being uh, 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 in submission to the Father, and yet their actions are continually against him, and their hearts are uh, continually <laughs> unyielding to him. And so that's the, the point Jesus was making. All of us make mistakes. Uh, all of us have uh, struggles and fall down sometimes. It's the ones who repent. It's the ones who turn away from those things uh, and change their lives. And the Bible calls that repentance. And that's who the kingdom of God is for. Uh, many times it's said, repent for the kingdom of God is hand, as at hand. One who, one who is willing to turn their hearts and obey the Father. Uh, so that's what the parable is about. And it's a good question. All righty. Thank you, Toby. Um, lots of good questions and we enjoy <laughs> getting as many of them done as we can each week, but we also tell you all the time that uh, we can't cover nearly all of the Bible, so we advocate some uh, home Bible study. And we've got some free study materials that uh, we'll send to you that make that a lot easier than uh, you may think it is. Some folks try to start by just reading straight through the Bible and get uh, drugged down and slowed down by some of the parts that are a little uh, more detailed and uh, repetitive than others. Uh, there's a lot of great reading in the Bible, a lot of exciting stories, but there's also a lot of uh, genealogies and history that's kind of slow and tough to get through. So that way of studying doesn't always work. Uh, we've got some courses that lead you through in a little different manner. In fact, this uh, first set you see on the screen now starts with the two big parts of the Bible, the Old Testament and the New Testament. So you understand those before you... Uh, even start reading about the other parts. So it's a great way to get familiar with the Bible. Uh, we think it's a great way to form a regular habit of Bible study. If you go through these courses, uh, by the time you're done, you'll be looking forward to Bible study, we think. Uh, we've had thousands of people go through it and tell us how much they learned and how much they enjoyed it. And we'd like to offer that to you. All you have to do is use phone number, website, either one. We'll get that first lesson out to you and you can start studying the Bible uh, with Know Your Bible Study tools. All right, question about uh, us, I guess. Uh, I, I, think no. we're, I think we're mentioned no. in here, Toby. No, uh, talk about two other guys. Viewer says, well, <laughs> what is the difference between a church telling you what to believe and two preachers on TV telling you what to believe and adding their spin? Well, all right. I don't know what two he's talking about. I have but no idea. Yeah. 
<laughs> All right, probably, and let me reconstruct this the way I assume it happened, uh, because it's kind of a strange question. Uh, my guess is that we told, or I, I answered a question or something uh, about a church doctrine and said something about don't let a church tell you uh, what to believe. Make sure you check it in the scriptures. Uh, don't listen to just the church. Uh, they're not the authority. If they're telling you something that sounds unscriptural, uh, look it up in the Bible. Make sure you check it in the Bible. Uh, maybe that viewer heard us say that and thought, well, you're sitting there telling us what to, what to believe and acting like you know all the answers. Uh, so what's the difference? And uh, then said that we even add our spin. Uh, spin stops here, doesn't it, yeah, Toby? Really no spin zone. <laughs> That might be trademarked. Yeah, yeah, we, we better, better check that. Better not say that. <laughs> well, I understand what the viewer is saying, and if we ever gave that impression that we're telling you what to do and uh, don't expect you to check the Bible, then I apologize for that because we always want you to check the Bible. In fact, that's what we named the program is Know Your Bible. Uh, we want you to be like the Bereans, and that's one of our favorite verses in the Bible. Let's look at it together now. It's in the book of Acts. Uh, Acts chapter 17, and the writer says, The Bereans were of more noble character than the Thessalonians, for they received the message with great eagerness and examined the Scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. That's a great verse. The Apostle Paul himself, the Apostle uh, that could do miracles and show proof and all that, when he was preaching in Berea, the people listened to him, and then they went home and got the scriptures, the old scriptures, and looked up to see if what he was saying was true. They checked him out, uh, and we advocate that. That's what this question is about. If we ever gave the impression that we don't expect you to do that, once again, I'm sorry. We want you to go get your Bible. In fact, we advertise that course so you can get familiar with your Bible. But whatever question we answer, if we give you a verse, look it up. See if it really says that. If we're that's why we put a lot of them on the screen, so you can see that's what it says. Uh, and if we don't put it on the screen, look it up, make sure it says that. Uh, if we didn't answer it to your satisfaction and think we put too much spin on it, call in again. Uh, let us uh, have another chance at it because we want to be accurate in handling the Bible. So uh, what's the difference? There's none if anybody's really doing that, whether it's in a church or on TV or whatever. Uh, if they're telling you something's true and not giving you scriptural background, uh, then that's a bad thing. We hope we're never guilty of that. hope we always give you the scriptural reference and uh, lead you to the truth that way. But check us out. If you ever catch us wrong, spinning too much, uh, give us a call and we'll try again. Well, I think, and also, there are certainly times we get s such a wide variety of questions. Sometimes people will ask questions the Bible just doesn't specifically say. I mean, mm -hmm. it w and a lot of times we try to say, hey, you know, the Bible doesn't say here. We're just going to give you some principles that you know are in the Bible. Yep. But you know, we do our best to try to handle that judiciously and <laughs> and thoughtfully. But yeah. there are times that yeah, you know, and there there are a few times when we'll say, that I hope we always say, this is our opinion. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. The Bible doesn't say, but I think this is what it means. Yeah. Uh, I guess that could yeah. be spin if you. Think well, of it that I, way. I like how the viewer approaches it. I mean, if they're truly serious, they ought to be a person just like, say, like a Berean who, you know, opens up their Bible and, you know, questions, hey, Stephen Toby said this, but this is what the Bible says. Make sure they line up. Yep. 
Yeah, um, we're, we're human beings too, so. <laughs> <laughs> All right, the next question, uh, if viewer wants to know, I don't know the principles of giving. What are they? Well, uh, the Bible has a lot to say about giving. Uh, the Bible has a lot to say about the subject of money. Uh, unfortunately, when you watch people on television, and they kind of exploit those verses for their own purposes. But the Bible really does have uh, the very best wisdom on how to give and how to save and how to spend <clears throat> and how to do that wisely. Money doesn't mean anything to God, of course. It's just a, a tool that we use, but there's nothing wrong with having a lot of it, and there's nothing inherently noble about having very little of it. It just uh, depends on whose hands it's in. So when you apply your heart to the Scripture, uh, you can be sure you're handling it in the right way. So you asked for some principles, and we'll give you some here. Uh, first of all, I would say that giving is a private matter. It's really not for show. It's not to be done for uh, public accolades and, and acknowledgement and fanfare. Uh, giving, in the truest sense, is something that shows your heart. And the person, the only one who can truly know your heart is the Lord. And so giving is, a, is just a showing of a bearing of your heart to the Lord, and it should be done in private. Matthew chapter 6, verses 2 through 4. This verse is not on the screen, but if you'd like to read that, Jesus said there uh, that when you give, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. He was just saying, make it such a private thing that it's really almost something that only the Lord knows about. And, uh, of course, in, in a literal sense, you have to give the check to somebody. I mean, somebody's going to know about it. But it's not done for show. It's not to be done to get anyone's honor except the Lord's. The second principle is that uh, giving is more, uh, you're more blessed to give than to receive. And that's certainly something that's very countercultural. Our world says we ought to just be receiving all the time and that people are the most blessed or the ones who have the most stuff. Uh, but Jesus said in Acts chapter 20, verse 35, again, not on the screen, but it is a verse you can read at home, it's more blessed to give than to receive. And, of course, if you grow in the grace of giving, uh, like the Apostle Paul said to do, uh, then you f begin to understand and experience that when you begin to be a giver, it changes you. It's not so much about budgets or uh, the organization you're giving to. It begins to transform you. And that's the, the cool thing about giving. Uh, <clears throat> then uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 and 7. You'll read those uh, at your home. And Apostle Paul says that giving is an opportunity. Okay? Everybody has an opportunity to give. And really, when you do take that opportunity, you get more out of it than just what you, uh, the, the amount of dollars you put in. You begin to invest yourself in the lives of other people, in the mission of God, in the hope of God. Um, giving is a measure of your heart. I mean, it really does show uh, where your treasure is laid up. And Jesus said not to store that up in heaven, or not to store it up on earth, but in heaven. And then finally, uh, giving should be done with the right attitude. Uh, God loves a cheerful giver. We shouldn't do it under compulsion and just throw it in there out of habit. Uh, we should do it because we love the Lord and because we really want to give back to Him just a portion, just a measure of what He's blessed us with. Uh, scripture says He owned it all, owns it all, and uh, giving back to Him is just showing that we trust Him more and more. Let's uh, finish by reading one verse on the screen this time from 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 7. But since you excel in everything, in faith, speech, knowledge, in complete earnestness and love, we have kindled in you. See that you also excel in this grace of giving. Great question, and I hope the viewer will intend to grow in that grace. Good answer. 
All right, famous story that uh, viewer wants to know where it is. Where's the story of the sheet from heaven filled with animals? Well, if you haven't heard that story, you probably didn't grow up in Sunday school because <laughs> that's a great Sunday school story. Uh, in fact, I got a picture off the internet of a sheet filled with animals. I don't think it's very accurate because the, the Bible says there were birds and all sorts of other things in there, but I think there were a lot more animals than this. Uh, but that might have been kind of what it looked like to Peter. Uh, the answer to our viewer's question is Acts chapter 10 is where the story of the sheet uh, with, filled with animals happened. And it's a very interesting story. It starts uh, with Cornelius who was a Gentile and an angel appeared to him and said, send some men and go get Peter and he'll tell you about God. And Cornelius was a righteous man. He had been praying to learn the truth. He wanted to know the truth. He didn't know about Jesus. Uh, he wasn't even a Jew. And so the men went to get Peter. And on, while they were going, Peter had this dream that this sheet came down out of heaven. And God said, kill and eat. And there were unclean animals in there. And Peter said, not going to do it. <laughs> I'm, I've never eaten anything unclean. So I'm not going to. And it happened three times. God repeated, no, I've said it's clean. Go ahead, kill and eat. No, won't do it. And so uh, the men got there, took Peter to uh, where Cornelius was. And we find out the true meaning of the dream then. Uh, when Peter got there and saw that God approved of these Gentiles, who the gospel had never been preached to Gentiles before, Peter said in Acts chapter 10 and verse 34, I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts men from every nation who fear Him and do what is right. So Peter finally figured out the vision. He said it wasn't all about animals, although God was approving uh, eating unclean animals then. He said it wasn't about that. It was about Jews and Gentiles. Everybody's clean in God's sight. Uh, and I can preach the gospel to Cornelius. And he did preach the gospel and baptized he and his household. Uh, and they became the first Gentile Christians. So that's the story. You can read the whole thing in Acts chapter 10. There's no pictures in there, but uh, you can read and imagine what was in the sheet and what kind of animals were up there. All right, let me take just a moment and invite you to visit the Church of Christ. Uh, we're supported by the Churches of Christ, and this program is kept on the air by members of the Churches of Christ. And we like to mention a few of them each week. Today, uh, let's highlight the church up in Brookings, South Dakota. A great group of folks up there. Uh, South Dakota is one of our newer markets. We haven't been on there as long as some of the other places. Uh, Sioux Falls is uh, where we're headquartered out of up in that area. And the church there handles the correspondence courses and the phones and all that for us. Uh, but there's a fine congregation out in the town of Brookings. Jim Mettenbrink is the minister. Been there a long time, uh, very active in the community. I know you'd enjoy meeting Jim and uh, hearing him preach and meeting the other folks there in Brookings at the Church of Christ. Of course, any church, any uh, community you're in, uh, if you can watch uh, Know Your Bible, there's probably a Church of Christ near you somewhere, and we'd be happy to find you that address if you need it. Uh, but if you're searching for a church home, drop in and visit the folks in the Church of Christ near you. If you live in Brookings or around that area, drop in and tell the folks there, thanks for providing this program for you. All right, Toby, you got a very <coughs> basic Bible question here. Yes, the person wants to know, uh, where did the word Bible come from? And who put the Old and New Testaments together? Well, uh, the, the word Bible simply means books, means a collection of books. If you've ever 
maybe written a paper. Perhaps you uh, used to have something called a bibliography. Uh, it was just a collection of your sources. And if you open up the Bible, uh, you'll see that there are 66 different books written by 40 different authors over several, uh, several centuries, uh, about 2,000 years, depending on the dating that you use, but more or less. Uh, that's a big span of time, a lot of different authors, and a lot of books. And if you don't understand all that, you might say, man, that, that seems like a lot. But the interesting thing about the Bible is you look at that Old Testament, 39 books, and those 27 books in the New Testament, and you uh, begin to see that the story just weaves together very beautifully like a tapestry and that uh, you can know that the Bible has been examined and measured and tested against history and archaeology and science and um, every time it's been tested it's been shown to be true and the only way that we believe that 66 books could be written by 40 different authors over that span of time and be 100 percent accurate and be thoroughly tested as it has been and and still found to be true is uh, that it was written not by those authors but it was inspired by the very breath of God and that's uh, literally what uh, Paul says about scripture he says that all scripture is God breathed literally inspired by his breath. So uh, that's what the word Bible means, a collection of books, and we believe those are all divinely inspired, of course. Now the author or the questioner asked, well, who, uh, who put all that together? And that's a little bit of a deeper question. But basically, um, the entire, of course, the uh, entirety of all those books, uh, all of them had been written by about the first century. And so uh, uh, depending on different sources and who you look at, but the early church fathers, these are people with, they weren't of the apostles themselves, but they were people with connections to the apostles. They had been trained by them or discipled by them. And those early church fathers uh, sat down and made the collection of the Jewish canon and then what they determined to be uh, the, the New Testament <coughs> canon. And they put those together so that by the second century, that was very much settled and accepted. The the elders and the church fathers at the time uh, had all agreed. And so the New Testament that you hold today is the same collection of books. It's the same material. Uh, and you can look down throughout history, and that good old book hasn't changed very much. Uh, but there's a much more in-depth answer to it. Just don't have the time to get to it. But basically, rest assured that church fathers collected that in the first and second century. It was settled uh, by a, basically if they were uh, had passed all of their tests was it factually accurate was it a known and accepted authorship and all of that so uh, you can trust in that book and uh, that's a short answer to how it was put together but by the second century it was handled all right i got a short question what and where is zion zion's <clears throat> a term used a lot of ways in the bible i think it was originally the mountain uh, where Jerusalem is built, but it's also used to refer to the city of David, uh, to the Israelite people, to the heavenly kingdom, uh, to the spiritual kingdom. Uh, we sing a song called, We're Marching On to Zion. Uh, so we use it to refer to heaven. So it means a whole lot of things. Uh, let's make sure we get a trivia question answered today before we quit. And that is, what kind of bird did Noah send out first? Well, he sent a raven out first in Genesis 8, 6. And a little bit later he tried a dove and the dove was the one that came back with a, 
a uh, olive branch and he knew there was a tree showing somewhere so that was getting close to land. All right, we're out of time for questions, but we're glad you've been with us today. I'm going to invite you to be back with us next week as we try to cover some more of your good questions on Know Your Bible. Till then, you have a blessed week. Know Your Bible has been presented by the Churches of Christ in your area. Churches of Christ are non-denominational, and each congregation is an independent group of Christians seeking to do God's will. Our goal is simple New Testament Christianity. We follow the Bible as our only guide. Contact us with any questions and we encourage you to visit a Church of Christ near you.